Hey, everybody. What's up? What's up? We're back. <laughs> Did you miss us? <laughs> There's a little hiatus. We moved out of our apartment. And then moved into Kevin's in-laws. Thank you for having us. <laughs> and then we are hopefully moving to Israel February 28th. Woo-woo. And if you've been following our journey, <laughs> we were supposed to be February 13th, but we found an apartment that's awesome. Nod and um, it opens up early March, so we decided to push a little bit longer. So that's where we're at. <laughs> um, but hopefully, we'll be able to be consistent, share some Torah, some reflections on uh, on our journey to Israel. Yep, and we've uh, not that we're gonna start doing this because I don't think it's super efficient of. Having a parsha and then talking about the parsha after the Shabbat, <laughs> but maybe there is something good about that. Have doing some like reflections and review after Shabbos to make sure that if you didn't get enough on Shabbos, now you get even a little bit more. Well, there is something about on Shabbos that you like. There's a different dimension of the Torah that you're able to tap into, mm-hmm. and then you wanna you wanna capture that after Shabbos. Like there were people at the Rebbe's Tish. Who um, the Rebbe? The I specifically the Lubavitcher Rebbe. This <laughs> this is known for, but I, I think there are other Rebbeim Rebbes that uh, had this set up um, where there were people who whose job it was to intensely focus and remember what the Rebbe said over Shabbat, and then after Shabbat they would transcribe it and I think they had they had three different people who would do it and then they would like compare notes and like come up like you know I love that put it together and that's how they have like the the writing and then they would send it Torah the written Torah yeah and then they would send it to the Rebbe and he would he would review it and edit it well it's not really the oral Torah and the written Torah it's the oral Torah and the oral written Torah yeah which is what the oral Torah is that you know yeah we wrote it down um so there, there, there's, there's a strong element of uh, after Shabbat, trying to bring down or continue that, that light of Shabbat. So yeah, that's totally why we've been doing it. <laughs> we haven't run out of time during the week before that parsha. Yeah, definitely not. Um, but what was last week's parsha? Mishpatim. Mishpatim goes through uh, lots of different. Nailed it. By the way. <laughs> Remembered it this time. Lord. <laughs> and um ideas and it, it concludes the uh the giving of the Torah. In the end of the Parsha, that's where we have Nasev and Ishma. We will do and then we will listen or understand or internalize, however you want to translate Nishma. Um Yeah, and uh Go through lots of different laws. The beginning of the parsha starts off with ve'ele mishpatim, that, and these are, and Rashi famously says, and these meaning that the same way that the Ten Commandments were from Hashem, so too all of the rest of these laws and statutes that are going to be given are also from Har Sinai, also given from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Which is an important distinction to make. Why? Important distinction? Or an important addition to make. Like saying like, 
pointing this out specifically? Well, it's a question of if it's if it's important because like um, it talks about in other places as well that these laws too were given from Harsinai, like in Parshat Bihar, it talks about the, the Shemitah as being something that was given also at Harsinai and in other places it says that. Uh, but there is, there's definitely a unique element to Mishpatim and the, the flavor of the Parsha and the juxtaposition of it to the previous week's Parsha, Yitro, and the, or the grandness of the giving of the Torah there and now being very detail-oriented and having like the Baba Kama, Baba Batra, Baba Metzia, all the babas, all the, the those those types of tort law and what to do with the, the goring and the slave and the this, yeah, a little less aspirational than Shabbat or honoring your parents per se. Yeah, uh, how does how does Parshat Mishpatim hit you when you when you read through more of like the detail levels and also in the coming weeks Parsha of Truman and Tetzalvin, it goes through a lot of the details of the tabernacle. Those are maybe different types of details. Right. I mean, in some ways, it makes our job a lot harder, uh, of given all of these insights, right? There, there isn't this, like, grand narrative that we're, like, latching onto or character development. It's definitely in the weeds. But I think the beauty in that is being able to see the spiritual dimensions behind those things like especially when it comes to the book of leviticus and like sacrificial offerings it's like you have to dig a little bit deeper but then it's pretty mind-blowing when you when you get there you got to work for it there's uh there's less maybe intuition that that screams out which i think in general is something of like are the the parts of the torah or the the commandments maybe that are more intuitive, like have, I don't know, honest weights and measures. Something that's pretty intuitive. You shouldn't be ripping people off. Is that, like, when you read that, does it have a spiritual dimension to it? Or is it more like common sense? Well, in that one specifically, it does because the reward is a long life. So you have to think about what that actually means. Like, why would ha being honest in your business dealings then lead to a longer life? And what's a longer life in general? So you picked a complicated right. example, I would say. What about, I don't know, not cursing your parents or not hitting your parents? Mm-hmm. I feel like, okay, it's good we got that one down. <laughs> Just in case... Someone was feeling otherwise. But something should be like uh, almost intuitive about that. Like why why does the Torah need to say, don't hit your parents? You're not going to hit people in general. No, it's a good question. Or like if the Torah didn't say, uh, don't hit people, then what? Yeah, I'd be bopping everybody all over the place. <laughs> totally my personality. Everyone was written for me. <laughs> <laughs> then you need the specifically regal tachat ragal or the yad tachat yad or the shein tachat shein or the petza tachat patza. Yes, yes. Kevin's referring to the eye for an eye. Stop. Yeah, but e e they're each one of the different uh, 
iterations of it or the eye for an eye, hand for a hand, like right. for like. Mean, granted, the way that we learned that out is quite different than eye for an eye. Yeah. Um, but I definitely get your question of like, why do we need to spell these out? Right. Yeah. I, I think about there's a, a really interesting idea um, from the Tiferet Yisrael um, who says, he's commenting on a mission and he says that why don't we have a bracha for giving tzedakah? It says in the Torah that there's a commandment to, to give tzedakah. Right, because you should be doing it always. You think that's his answer? Is it? No. Oh. Because <laughs> um, we should always be learning Torah. We still make a bracha on blessing over the Torah. Mm-hmm. So one of the answers that he gives is that it's it's a little bit interesting the way that you phrase it, but like on the one hand, it could be like degrading, saying like, here, I am giving it like, you know, for commanding me to give tzedakah, here, needy person, here is your, you know, dollar. What, he says amen or something like, it's like a little degrading. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other sense is that like, what if Hashem didn't command you to give tzedakah? Then someone comes and they're they're asking for a dollar. They're right. You know, someone who's in need. I'm like, well, it's not it's not a mitzvah. So does that apply to all? Like, like are there any mitzvah that we say brachas on that are kind of intuitive in that regard? No. So so he says okay. that. So that is. So he says that. Any any bein adam lechavero mitzvah, any mitzvah between a person and their fellow person, we don't say a bracha. On. Like when you're honoring your parents, you don't say a bracha on that. Um, However, there is a bracha that you say when you see someone beautiful. So that one gets a little tricky. But I think that we say that that's 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 a bracha of yeah. shavach. Yeah, it's, it's like. It's not a commandment. Right. So it's not, it's it's the realization of Hashem's beauty in the world. Yeah, I was trying to make a joke, but it didn't land. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, maybe it's, it, it is like a pretty good. Uh, you didn't bite. One liner. You know, it's like you meet someone on, on a date and you make that bracha of like, when you see a beautiful person. Right. I don't know. Uh, how, how walking they... in the street, you're like, oh my God, I got to say a bracha on you. Yeah. And someone's like, please don't eat me. <laughs> it's like, no, no, the beautiful one. The beautiful one. Yeah. I, I had a friend who, uh, his joke was like, is your name a main? Because you're like, the answer to all my tefillot. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> that works on a very specific group of women. Yeah, but the but if you say the bracha on a beautiful person, then maybe the person would be like, "Oh, now you made a bracha levatala, you made a blessing, <laughs> and then you know, not really that." <laughs> um, but I, I I think like um, sometimes we don't feel that spiritual component when we're doing business honestly, when we're acting in proper ways. Like, is it? As maybe the Tiferet Israel said, like 
possibly a lowering or like, oh, I'm only doing this because I'm commanded or because this is a total value? Or is there, is that like a lower level? Like you should be doing it because we say uh, in Davening, it says, Le'olam yehei adam mm-hmm. that a person should always be heaven-fearing. And uh, Rev Amital, the late co-founder or Shishiva, head rabbi of uh, the Gush, used to say that Le'olam yehei adam, like a person should always be a human being. They should always be a mensch. They should always be an erlichayit, an honest, a true Jew. And then you raise your Then you could think about fear of heaven and and doing the, I guess, like other components. Totally. Because I also think one of the big things that at least comes up in, in a lot of my conversations with women who did not grow up in the Orthodox community and they're like exploring Orthodoxy or they're just looking at people who very strongly identify as like Torah Jews. Um, One of the complaints sometimes is like, well, hey, why do they make me feel so uncomfortable when I'm wearing pants in this place? Or why do I feel like I'm being made fun of? Or why is this person disrespectful? Like the basic being Adam Lechavero isn't there, but oh, they're so religious. Like that's a very common point that a lot of people make about from from looking get in. Right. Can I say, well, lots of that behavior doesn't sound very from. Right. <laughs> that's kind of my answer. I'm like, you're right. Yeah. And it, it's a difficult thing because it's less measurable like yeah it's measurable how many times a day you pray to Hashem it's measurable if you keep this level of kosher or that level of kosher it's measurable how punctilious you are with your Shabbat observance great word everybody's clapping <laughs> especially in my uh, high school t-shirts <laughs> um but like I don't know how well you treat your parents, how much of an honest coworker you are. You know, I need to call you out on that one, though. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was setting it up for you to call me Thank out. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, those are. I don't want to say less definable, because there are there are laws there are there are halachot about. Um, ethics and business and treating other people but it's yeah it's it's harder to measure it takes mm-hmm. and it's it's less it's more gray it's not like oh this person's uh good you know the person in business versus not a good person in business where it's like this person prays three times a day this person doesn't yeah there's a, a fascinating idea I heard from uh, Rav Moshe Tzvi Weinberg, who said um, that is it's really important to learn the laws of Torah related to your business. Mm. That if you are a doctor, then you should learn the laws of medical ethics. If you're a lawyer, you should learn uh, the Torah laws about law. If you're a merchant or a banker or you know, doing a 
AI research, like there's, there's, the Torah has something to say yeah. about that. Um, what does the Torah have to say on being a rabbi? <laughs> yes. But I know some of it says hate you. So, <laughs> so net, arabanut, which now it doesn't actually translate to that. But. Yeah, it means uh, don't, don't, don't get too close to the authorities, the officials, and, uh, but particularly in government. Um, so you're in the clear. Everyone can come close to Kevin. <laughs> Not too close. Um, but I think I think he was quoting from the Baal Shem Tov who said, or maybe it was Rabbi Nachman, I think it was Rabbi Nachman of Breslov who says that if you don't learn those laws, then it could be that a Dean Torah comes out. What's a Dean Torah? A judge. That... <laughs> <laughs> Like Dean, Judge, Torah, Torah. So, <laughs> so uh, uh, to be brought for a Dean Torah is to be brought in front of a Beit Dean. To be brought for, like, uh, to have kind of a, a Torah arbitration. And that if you don't learn the laws of your business, then you, you might be brought to a Dean Torah. You'll be brought to this, like, religious arbitration. And then within that process, it's going to force you to learn the Torah laws related to your profession. And that all the work that you did where you didn't have this lens of Torah related to it, now this is going to kind of compel you to like take... take Basically the, saying if you're not going to learn it now, you're going to have to learn it later. Yeah. Or, or that like by you not uplifting your work to have that Torah lens, then like it's going to retroactively like uh, get that Torah lens by, okay, show me all your receipts. You know, if you're, if you're getting audited, mm -hmm. that like, oh, were, were you doing this in a kosher way? Were you doing that in a honest way? And that you're going to have to like reflect on it, mm -hmm. which I thought was a really fascinating concept of like, okay, if you're not going to, actively be doing it than retroactively or reflectively. Yeah, now I'm like marketing. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> I mean, there's, what, do, do you think within uh, marketing and within your? Definitely within sales. Like when I was in sales, I was like, how about if I don't lie to people? Like, or don't say it in this misleading way like because there's a lot of it's just like trying to get people to do what you want right um that's also in the last few parts is me the bar shecher shecher that you should stay away from lying yeah so i was like not great at sales because <laughs> <laughs> you were trying to stay far away from i was lying. trying to be as honest and as possible is there like a specific scenario that you're thinking about I think, like, for example, if, like, I was cold calling 80 people a day. That was my first job out of college. Let's go. Not to say, and also I want to clarify, my company doesn't lie. We're honest. But there are certain tactics that you can use in sales to more easily get to speak to the people that you want to speak to and set the meetings that you want to set. Like what? What, what, were, what are these strategies? So, so, for example, one of them is... There's an idea of like you're gonna you speak to a gatekeeper on the oh. phone. 
So uh, there's always like the secretary or something that's blocking the person that you actually want to speak to. So sometimes you could say, yeah, I've been in touch with like Jerry. Like, have I really been in touch with him? I sent him six emails trying to get him to respond to me. Debatable. Yeah. So with lying, it says me to Barshakar Tirchak. You should stay away from lying. Also says low to Shakar, you shouldn't lie. Mm-hmm. Um but there's like a, this is how important it is to not lie. That you should you should stay far away from it. It should be like always arm's length away. Or it's like Midvarshakir Tirchak, stay away from explicitly lying. You know, like, stay away from it. It's not saying don't lie because that's impossible. Everyone has to fib a little bit. Just try to stay away from it. Yeah. So then I moved into marketing. Because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like, like telling yeah, people that you were in touch with me. Jerry? No, no. Um, the secretaries were happy. Uh, the secretaries, I feel like they also know these things, no? They don't know these tricks? Some really don't. So <laughs> also, it depends on, on how many... How many people are trying to get in touch with Jerry? Right. How many other competitors of yours that know about Jerry's company? Right. Hopefully not many. It makes it easier for me. True. But uh, no, I just I didn't like uh, calling 80 people a day. <laughs> didn't didn't love that. Um, and like listening to dial tones was a little triggering for like three years after. Yeah. Because um, that's all I'd hear. But yeah, marketing too. It's like how much of what I'm saying is truly representative versus aspirational. Selling forward. Mm-hmm. Doing a, not trying to air your dirty laundry. Yeah. Um, but I think my team does a great job. Good balance. <laughs> I love everybody I work with. <laughs> do you, do, if anybody needs a procurement solution, in touch. <laughs> Always be marketing. Yeah. Always be selling. Always be closing. Um, but it's, uh, no, it's, it's important to, to try to be honest and to hopefully see it as like, um, not a separate personality. I always like uh, around the Shabbos table, people would say like, oh, I have my work persona, home persona, like, you know, so if only the people that I worked with knew what I was doing on Shabbos and how religious of a community I am. And it's like, no, you should, you should be expressing your values if people don't curse around you at work like that's not necessarily a bad thing like right. if you're if you have a from kite like a... yeah this is also coming from kevin who on his first day of work was like i wear something called sitsis which like it's basically <laughs> these strings that are coming out of my shirt i know that they're there so you don't have to let me know that there's like some of my shirts frying. Or <laughs> and also at a brief day at about lunchtime or before sunset, I'm going to take over one of the phone booths and I'll be standing and swaying back and forth. <laughs> Please don't interrupt me. I'm praying. <laughs> he gave like a public service announcement as he came in. He's like, hi, I'm Jewish Kevin. Nice to meet everybody. Kosher Kevin. Kosher Kevin. Sorry. <laughs> um this is true I, I i tried to run uh some events that were jewish and uh yeah be be consistent be uh as uh 
one of my Rebbe, Rabbi Aaron likes to say, a holy person is a, a whole person. Um, so hopefully we see our lives holistically through a, a holy lens. And um, we're not necessarily doing, being honest or helping other people because it's what Hashem commanded us, but it's also, it should feel like an expression of your religiosity or your values. Um, Hashem, this, uh, this week should be a week of seeing uh, holiness, seeing Torah come through in all of our lives and to uh, be able to return um, those values to us like... Uh, yeah, also just feeling very inspired right now and uh, trying to think of a way to fit in the fact that uh, two hostages, or Baruch Hashem, and God returned back to Israel, back to their homes. Saved, rescued. Saved, rescued by our holy army. And the Shin Bet. And, and the counterterrorism. We're gonna, they made it very clear in all of the posts. Like It wasn't just the idea. There were other things at play here. Right. But, but we should. Everyone did an amazing job. Yeah, we should we should let's do more of that. Uplift the the things that are are stuck that are in those lowly places and raise them up, bring them home, bring them uh, bring them back in a physical, spiritual, and a uh, really holistic, holy way. And now that they are back, they should have a smooth and fast recovery. Because one hundred and twenty, how many days now? Seven twenty-eight. I don't know. One hundred thirty. Too long. Mamash, too long. It's also getting confusing now, honestly, between how many days it's been since the war and how many hostages there are. 134. Because there are 30, 134 hostages, but what day of the war? Who knows? Who knows? Should be over quick. Should be peace returned. And um, yeah, hopefully it's a it's a holy week and we're able to see the, the holiness within the details. I mean. And we'll be back for Truma. <laughs> <laughs> 